All right, what is up, Nuggets Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the 24K Podcast. I am Katie Wingy, joined, as always, by my colleague and friend and superhuman, Chris Dempsey. <laughs> superhuman. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Are course. you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready? I'm ready. I'm you ready? ready? We ready. Is you ready? I'm ready. That's it right there. Yeah. Nuggets Nation. If you haven't been to Pepsi Center yet, you don't know what we're referring to, but that's the Migos Minute Countdown. That's right. That you get to experience... As part of Nuggets Nation. You need to get there to see it. You do. You do. Because the Nuggets are fantastic at home. Right, Demps? Yeah, they really are. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> they're so good at home that a crew from China flew all the way to Denver to do a story on how good the Nuggets are at the Pepsi Center. And so uh, that's how good they are. Yeah. And it's an incredible atmosphere that just continues to build. And I don't know the name of the reporter, Howard something. Yeah. I wish that I knew your full name, Howard. I apologize. But he came in today. Um, and again, like today is, is relevant. You guys will be listening to this podcast at any given time that you would like. But he came in after um, the Nuggets shoot around right before they're facing Boston tonight and informed all of us that in China, the Nuggets home floor is referred to as the devil's court or something along those <laughs> lines, which blew my mind. I would have never thought that Pepsi Center. I mean, thanks for proving me wrong. Like, I'm <laughs> thrilled that that's the case. And he said that because of obviously the atmosphere, but it also has to do with the altitude and just a couple other factors. But it just continues to to impress me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the it's one of the more I think one of the more underrated home court advantages in the NBA, especially when, when the atmosphere, more, let me, let me rephrase that. It's one of the most underrated atmospheres in the NBA. Yeah. Um, because when the Pepsi center gets loud and in that game against Utah, especially late when the Nuggets were hitting all those shots, so loud, um, it is as loud as any arena in the NBA. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people really know that. Um, shame on you people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, and so what they were here to do was kind of, you know, kind of figure out the reasons why he had a stat. And the stat stat was that in the last 15 years, only the San Antonio Spurs have a better home record than the Denver Nuggets. Whoa. Simple as that. And, I, OK, so you're going back into an era, obviously, that also had George Carl and Carmelo Anthony and those teams, which are really great. One of those teams went 38 and three at home. Whoa. Um, and so, you know, you combine great players uh, with the altitude. And this was definitely a schedule loss. If you came in here, yeah. especially on a second of a back to back, you had better strap it up because the team was going <laughs> to run, run you, out, <laughs> run of you out of the gym. Yeah. And so many of those teams. It happens so often, Katie, that coaches complain to the league, right? Complain, complain, complain. Yeah. And then the league changed the rules, changed the travel rules. This has happened in the last three to four years to where that Denver is almost never, especially if you're coming from California to Denver, yeah. it is never the second of the back-to-back -back anymore. And that is just in total response to coaches complaining and then getting their way about that, which is bogus. <laughs> bogus, y'all. Bogus. <laughs> Moral of the story Come check out the Devil's Court. Honestly, <laughs> you need to be here to take in this Nuggets team, which is off to the best start since 1976. Which yes. brings me to this, Chris Dempsey. <laughs> yes. What were you doing in 1976? I was sipping on some of that good formula. I was <laughs> <laughs> the good stuff. Uh, the good stuff. I was one <laughs> in 1976. I was born in April. I, you know what? I, yeah, I was born in April of 1975. So, 
you know, one and a half. I don't even know who the Nuggets are. I don't even know where I am. I, you know, I'm one. I'm one. I'm probably in Boulder because uh, my mom was still, um, she was taking like graduate courses at the University of Colorado. Shout out to so, Mama Dempsey. Yeah, absolutely. So I was in Boulder. I was actually born in Boulder, so we were definitely in Boulder and then uh, moved to Denver later. But yeah, that's what I was doing, just chilling. Yeah, just a couple quick crib. quick facts about For 1976. <laughs> chilling in the crib, yo. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so... Average monthly rent was two hundred and twenty dollars. Okay. Probably less in Denver. Less than average. Yeah, probably. Um, just crazy, crazy numbers. Fifty nine cents for a gallon of gas. Wow. Polaroid camera was twenty eight dollars, which I guess you can get those now. Yeah. Re- for four hundred. Apple Computer Company was created in nineteen seventy six. Oh well, thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. Yeah. I'm holding an iPhone in my hand right now. Thank you, Steve Jobs. Also, and the OG Rocky film came out in 1976. Oh. Coincidence that the Nuggets <laughs> are doing as well as they are. Can I get a true underdog story? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, yes, I can. I love the Rocky okay. movies. Um, I don't want to give too much away about what my were you age, doing in but 1976? I was not <laughs> alive in 1976. Um, I called my mom. <laughs> Before we recorded this podcast, because I needed some sort of point of reference as to what what was going on in 1976. And she informed me that she was probably um, getting ready to go to the homecoming dance. She was a junior in high school. Yep. And that was the year that her and my father started dating high school sweethearts. Shout out. So, so it was really the beginning of, that's of right. Katie Wingy. You were on the way. Like you know 17 years later or whatever whatever, whatever it, it is yeah <laughs> whoa that's crazy um J- jimmy carter wins the presidential election for space shuttle the yeah. enterprise i mean just nuggets it's been a while it's been a while <laughs> welcome nuggets nation back to to the good life yeah for sure you know what's fun about this um and i was discussing this with somebody uh the other day and you know, they asked, well, you know, just kind of about all about it. What, what, what are they doing? Why are they so good? I said, I think the beauty of this start is, is that they really haven't played a great game, full game yet. I know. And, and, and sometimes, here's the thing about sports, and I've covered sports for almost half of my life now. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's how old I am. <laughs> continue to date myself. Um, but, you know, you know Sometimes you do good. You can identify good teams by how they're able to win when they're not playing their A game all the time. And those teams are the ones that, when they start playing their A games, really become you know elite in that league for that season. Sure. And for the Nuggets, it's been a very good sign that they've been able to not play a complete game but still win anyway. And they're obviously winning with defense, and that is a big, mm-hmm. big, 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 big deal. Um, and defense travels and does all that kind of stuff. But it, it gives you a little window as to how good they might be yeah. when they are able to put everything together. Yeah, and I think this many games in, it's okay for us to start having this identity conversation now. Like the Nuggets have a theme that is being formed about them and, and they have certain characteristics that they're going to hang, you know, what they do on. And for me, watching a couple of these, these last games in particular, 
the Nuggets have become a team that finds a way to win. Mm -hmm. They grind out wins. It's not going to be pretty all the time. It's not. They haven't played their best basketball yet. But the fact that they are winning these games in in just one quarter of production sometimes or defensively making things really tough for other teams and, and allowing themselves to be okay not shooting the ball great all the time. Yeah. That to me is something so exciting that I have latched onto. I am here for a Nuggets team that just plays hard and finds ways to win regardless of the situation. So in the past, I've seen a lot of Nuggets teams. Let's let's just take there's just some there's a lot of examples right now, but um, in Cleveland they had a 15-point first quarter. I've seen that spiral out of control, and then they were, yeah. they're never in a game, and that game is over. Um, against the Utah Jazz, in the fourth quarter, they were losing 77-71 to 71 at one point. They go on a 32-5 run after that, and then the game is over because now they're winning by yeah. almost 20 points at that point. And what is fun to witness with this team is the fact that no matter what the situation is in terms of adversity no matter what the deficit is and no matter how late in the game that deficit occurs it's just this ability to shake it off continue to run their stuff um, or buckle down even more yeah uh, get some extra stops get whatever they have to get to be able to win these games um, also a characteristic of a basketball team that is pretty good. That isn't just like yeah. here for, you know, flukish reasons. I, I, I think if, if this was in the reverse and they were going 120 points a game yeah. and they were just outscoring everybody all night long, there's going to be a point at which you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But everything that they're putting on the court right now can be sustainable. Yeah, we're here for a long time and for a good time, right, Dems? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> well, okay, so you bring up, you know, there are a couple things that they're doing well and people maybe are surprised by this starter. There was to- topics before the season of, you know, who's going to be these these show-out sneaky teams, especially in the West. What are the Nuggets doing? Let's talk about that, that have made them so good so far. Well, uh, you know, I, I think they're defending in a way that, um, so they're able to, it, it, at their foundation, they're a team that wants to get up and down the basketball court, want to keep the, keep the pace as yeah. high as it po- possibly can. Um, so they're defending in a way that allows that to happen. And so we're talking deflections, we're talking about steals. Yeah, flying around. Absolutely. Um, one of the highest, high deflection teams mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, and one of the, I think, in the top five in steals, nine plus per game, yeah. which actually rises to 11.2 per game. This is prior to the Boston game. Sure. Um, at home, they yeah. get 11 steals per game. So it allows you to get out in the break, into transition. They are also averaging 15 and a half fast break points per game, which is more than they were averaging last year. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some instances where people are, would say, hey, they're not really running as much as we thought that they would run. But they actually are. And or they don't have to. to. With, yeah, and a lot of that has to do with defense. Yeah, and here's the thing about the Nuggets defense, too. It's not so much like traditional quote-unquote lockups. It is guys flying around, making extra efforts, and forcing teams to feel rushed or feel uncomfortable or shoot shots that they wouldn't normally take. And so it's you sometimes watch it and you're like, well, how are they so good defensively? Guys are just 
there. They make extra efforts. I know on a lot of the pick and roll situations, they're they're showing a harder hedge, so they're forcing guys further away from the basket and that sort of thing. But like schematically speaking, it's not perfect rotations. It's not guys necessarily always keeping their player in front of them. It's the help side being there. It's the trust factor. It's the deflections. It's being in passing lanes. It's those multiple efforts that Coach Malone talks about all the time that the guys are bought into and they're committed to. Yeah. If if you're active on that end, um, you can make things happen. And, you know, so to your point, when you force a team, let's just say you pick a point guard up 94 feet. All right, so now most of these NBA teams, they want to cross half court by 21. I mean, they're, uh, they're trying yes. to get there. They're trying to get um, into the front court as fast as possible. Uh, but if they're getting into the front court at 18 or 16, that's a thing. If you hard hedge and now the, the ball handler has to take two negative dribbles, mm-hmm. Um, now their offense is starting way back beyond a three-point line, and now it's 12, 11, 10. You are going to force teams into a situation where they're taking rushed shots, they're taking contested shots. Yes, uh, contested is another thing, yeah, for sure. absolutely, and uh, against the shot clock, mm-hmm. and that's exactly where you want to live defensively. Yeah. And, and maybe you're uh, you know, in a rush situation, they're trying to force a pass in a way that they wouldn't. And, and So... All of these things piece together and become part of your total defensive package. Yep. And then you're just very active. You just have guys with quick hands and Monte Morris and um, and uh, Paul Millsap and uh, you know these guys. You're not just going to cross quarter pass like that. Um, you're not just going to you know, fit it into a tight window no. without without fingertips being mm-hmm. on the basketball. So they're doing all of these things that allow for them to be successful you know on a on a possession to possession basis yeah i would argue too that our basketball iq on this nuggets team is pretty high and half of defense at least in my personal experience is outsmarting the person that you're guarding or knowing personnel well enough to know their tendencies knowing team personalities team traits know well enough basically to be able to make them do something that they're not comfortable doing Mm -hmm. and we've really seen the nuggets do that yeah and get inside you know guys heads or get inside of what they're used to doing and you know running guys off the three-point line that are three-point shooters and having them take you know contested pull-ups from the the weak side rotation being over those aren't shots they're used to Mm -hmm. to shooting Um, I do want to ask you though because defense is such a, a lost art if you will in the NBA where do you think the Nuggets are getting some of this defensive inspiration from. Um, I, I, I think, I, I think they're a collage of a lot of a collage. I love that. Of a lot Let's of, take the artistic look. <laughs> a lot of systems. I do. I, that's, I. You know, when Michael Malone first got here, he wanted to be lockdown. So you, you, you were referencing a lockdown team. Yeah, one-on-one he, defense. Let's keep people in yeah, front of us. He didn't want gambling. I mean, he spoke to this fairly, very, uh, very aggressively at, mm-hmm. when, in his first couple of years here. Like, he wasn't a fan of gambling, getting in passing lanes. Like, he wanted you to keep your man in front of you. He wanted rotations to be tight behind Don't you. Don't we all? And then, like, you know, very yeah. San Antonio-ish. Yes. Okay, but so over the years, what, you know, he's obviously, can, he's come off of that, clearly, because they're an aggressive, in-your-face kind of defensive mm-hmm. team now. But also, it fits the personnel a lot better as well. Yeah, and just the personalities. Yeah. I mean, you you have young guys who want to get out and then they hitch. 
even Nikola Jokic said to him, I know. hey, can I get out and hedge harder? Can I get on the level? Because, yes, like, Nicola, because when I'm down the court, like I just feel like my feet are getting attacked. And he was getting attacked. Yeah. And so that's how they want to play. And, and you know this from playing basketball. Mm-hmm. You want to keep, a, a especially a young team, you want to keep them engaged on the defensive end? Activate them. Activate them. Yes. Because once you get them... Just, you know, in in a, okay, we always have to be doing something situation. Stay woke, right? Y'all. Yeah. <laughs> then then you don't lose them. But if they're passive and they're reacting to everything, then you start losing them. If you don't have a team full of lockdown defenders, yeah. that's just, that's not going to work. And so I just think they, fin- they figured out. So San Antonio, um, I think a little bit of Boston, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Portland's an active defensive team, but I just think you start taking pieces, bits and pieces from everywhere, look at your personnel, and roll with it. Roll with it, yeah. yeah. All right, let's switch to the offensive side of the basketball because there has been a lot of talk about defense, and eventually the Nuggets are going to start making shots. They haven't really yet, at least not to the level that we know that they're capable of. How have they been able to score, I guess, because the three, ba- the three ball isn't falling no. right now. No. And a lot of it has to do with points in the paint correct yeah i absolutely yeah and they are like 11 points more in the paint than over they were last year <laughs> that, that, and that they is... were at the top of the nba last year <laughs> right yeah and and you know so w- the thing that they've been able to do without fail is get themselves to the rim get themselves high percentage buckets and they do it in a variety of ways which it's whether it's out in transition yeah. we, re- we re- referenced the 15 points per game in, in transition defense to offense um, and then posting up um, cutting action, handoff, yeah, dribble, the handoff. cutting is huge. Yeah, I mean, there's such a big. Um, let's get into the lane, see what's, see what we can do in, mm-hmm. in the paint, and then kick, drive, kick, drive, kick. Well, these drives have been basically netting them shots at the yeah. rim, and then they've been making them. Um, so a very high percentage team um, at the rim, and uh, guys like Gary Harris can finish so well, both so hands, well. any kind of way. Um, so it's been uh, that has been able to allow them to not have the volume at the three-point line but still mm-hmm. be able to um, survive offensively. And what a thought, you know, one, once the Nuggets start knocking down threes on a more consistent basis, which they are confident is going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's this They're going to, you know, outweigh this this drought, outlast it, and the three ball will start falling. Yep. Um, it, it just is a – it's a – beautiful magical thing to think about (laughs) when all of those things click at the same time but for me I think another huge factor in the Nuggets success so far has been the bench Mm -hmm. and the way that they have come in and picked up the starting group when maybe the starters haven't come out with enough energy or they haven't hit shots right away um the Mason Plumlee Malik Beasley you know Monte Morris that second unit the way that they've been able to come in and take control of the game at times or mm-hmm. flip the narrative mm-hmm. at times has been so fun to watch. I mean, yeah. I've, I've so enjoyed it. Yeah, I have too. And, and you're talking about individuals that th- th- it's about time, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I'm happy for Wancho. You know, he yeah. went through a tough season last season. Um, Malik has battled his way, uh, up to, to what he's doing right now. Trey Lyles came from Utah. Uh, you know, people were a little shaky on him. Mm-hmm. He is coming, you know, so it, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy for them because I, I think just, they have earned it. They deserve it. They deserve yeah, it as well. they do deserve it. But what they've been able to do first is they put energy on the court. I mean, that's just the first thing they yeah. do, they've been able to do because, 
uh, you know, Wancho's put some shooting on the court, especially his three-point For shooting. sure. Same with Malik. Um, yeah. I mean. But from a, they're going to dive on the floor. They're going to crash offensive glass. Yeah. They're going, you know, they, these things that they're doing to flip games, like you said. Yeah. Um, has been a big deal. The Nuggets need it. Uh, and and they've been able to provide that and really, uh, you know, keep games in contact or, or whatever they have to do mm-hmm. to be able to keep the team successful. Kaz and I have talked about this a couple times um, on our radio broadcast, but there have been games in certain situations where we're like, we're excited for the second unit to come in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're genuinely looking forward to like, okay, we've had an, we've had enough of the starters for right now. They need a break. Like let them go off and regroup and let's bring in the second unit just yeah. because of how hard they play, how hard they work, how together they are. Yeah. They are gelling like the chemistry that they have. The, I know I've, I probably mentioned this before, but I love it. The the Monte Morris, Mason Plumley high ball screen duo and, and what they're able to get off of that. But, and then you talk about the driving kicks, Monte driving in, kicking to the Wanchos, kicking to Malik. And, it just feels like that group has really matured and grown together and accepted their role and embraced that and made the most of it for this Nuggets team. Yeah, part of it is just mindset, right? You know, yeah. It's like, um, okay, I'm getting in the game. I know I'm getting in the game. Um, I'm excited to do that. <laughs> I like my role. Basketball's fun. I'm excited right. to play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I think it's just as simple as that, especially for a guy like Malik and yeah. Macho. It's just as simple as, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I get to play. Uh-huh. It's great. Yeah. I know I'm going to play every night, <laughs> yeah. and it's great. Monte yeah. Morris in that group as well. And and so for them, just the ex- the excitement of being out there, now after that, you know, it's just a matter of putting uh, that on the court. So you have your excitement, and that just bleeds over into playing hard and putting energy on the court, and, and those guys have been able to do that. It's been so fun to watch. I just – like I – Nuggets games are so much fun right now. And it, I think it really is. People keep asking, well, is this sustainable? Is the defense sustainable? Is, you know, what, of course, it's a game It's a game of runs. It's a season of runs. It's a long season. There are a lot of games. But this team genuinely loves each other, loves being around each other. And you can just feel that it's different. Yeah, yeah, you can. And, and the more they win and the more they win the way they win, I think, breeds confidence. Like, w- when you go out and you know, you know what, here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're not going to score. And then eventually we are going to score. Yeah. And you have that power. There was a coach that one time said the 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 most frustrating thing on a basketball court for an offensive player is knowing he cannot score. Mm-hmm. Because he can't score because the defense is just too good it's, for him to be. Yes. Yeah. And so I think as a team in total, you get more confidence. The more that you know that you can walk out onto a court and you know you can impose your will on the offensive team then that's just going to give you more and more confidence and so the Nuggets have played Golden State already yeah they will play the Boston Celtics you have a number of good offensive players um as they continue to go through a season and are able to put defense on the court more often than not it's just going to keep raising that confidence level Mm -hmm. for them so we talked a little bit about the bench um Mason Plumlee is a guy in particular that has really stepped up for this Nuggets team. Uh, he has embraced his role as both, you know, a solid presence defensively inside the lane and an offensive go-to guy, great screener, just great action from Mace, and he's been contributing a lot. He also recently uh, contributed his first career three-pointer. <laughs> Initial reaction, Demps. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, 
you know, this is kind of a buzzkill response. I thought it was amazing, actually, first of all, first off, because <laughs> before we get into the buzzkill, yeah, because which, before, okay. before we get into the buzzkill, um, because it's Mason and he was O of 18 in his career before, <laughs> before shoot that, or shoot. that three point. Shoot your shot. And then, shoot your and shot. then he hit us with pocket threes, which was also amazing. Yes. Because he's, I mean, that was the first free three yeah. he's ever made. Like he, he understood where he was going with that. Um, I've seen him take a lot of three-pointers at the end of practices. I know I have too. And, you know, here's what I think fans, you have to understand one little thing about what's happening in the NBA now. Almost everything you see a player do, they have drilled it. Now, even if it's from a simple pick and roll action to, oh, I'm going to inside out dribble finish with the left. I'm yes. going to inside out finish with the right. They have drilled every single thing in a way now that never used to happen in the past. You either had that in your bag or you didn't. Mm -hmm. You were a three-point. Big men weren't even shooting threes. But now, yeah, they, they shoot around the world threes just in case, you know, you find yourself at the end of a shot clock with the ball in the three-point line. You find yourself at the end of a quarter or a half with the ball at the three-point line. You're able to not feel like it's foreign and put something up there that might have a chance to go in. Yeah. And that's where, when I watched the Mason 3, I was I, I thought of all of those things. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> See how that makes sense now. Yeah. I was much less uh, structural in my thinking. <laughs> I was on the call for radio, and at this point... I. In my opinion, this is um, – what game was this? Utah. Utah. Utah Utah game. I can't even remember. All I can think about is a three-pointer. <laughs> I was on the radio call with Kaz, and this, in my opinion, Malik Beasley started this run in the fourth quarter for the Nuggets. People will say that this Mason three started the run. I think Malik's two threes before mm -hmm. Mason's three were really like, okay, we're building, we're building, we're building. Mason's three was like, we're there. Yeah. We're in it. So I was already pumped watching this. But when Mason – hit that three shot clock running down i stood up where i was and was like <laughs> serving the pepsi center hands all around being like what just happened we are off to the races now this game this is happening mason Palmer fire, just hit a fire, three. Fire. exactly fire. the top has just popped off the pepsi can here we go fans are loving everything that's happening i was so excited and so when i saw the gif that was repurposed after Mace hit this three. I was so overwhelmed by everything that was going on in the Pepsi Center. I didn't think to look, oh, what is Mace doing to celebrate his three? <laughs> right. Little did I know, he was pulling threes out of his pockets <laughs> with some finger gun action and doing a little Steph Curry shimmy. So, naturally, I had to ask a couple of his teammates and Mark Price, who he's been working with a little bit on his shot, what their reactions were. Uh, when Mace had the celebration that he did. So here you will hear Mark Price's reaction. You will hear Mace's reaction and his thought process as to what was going through his mind at that moment. And then you will also hear the Blue Arrow, who is no surprise, no, 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 um, what, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Well, he was just not no surprised. Stranger. No, yeah, no, stranger. Stranger. Yeah, no, no stranger. No stranger, stranger to, to, to celebrating yeah. his threes. So take a listen here to, to what these guys think of Mace's three celebration. Yeah, I was just... I was in the moment. Um, there was nothing premeditated. It was just <laughs> having fun. <laughs> Have you ever done a three celebration before in practice and I hadn't made it? In, in practice, for sure, yeah, yeah. So you knew that that was going to be your, your go-to? I did not, no. The pocket threes? I didn't, but that's what it is now. <laughs> like I said, it was just in the moment. So. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But right, just thanks. your celebration when Mason made it. Yeah. <laughs> Why were you so excited? Because uh, I was just so happy for Mace. You know, it was 
one of those catch you off guard too. It happened so quick, you know, and we're just you're just like yes, you know, and uh, for him to make his first three, you know, in his NBA career, and uh, you know, I was just really happy for him. And you've made quite a few threes in your career. Did you ever have a celebration after you made a three? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I wasn't a big celebration kind of guy, you know. I just, you know, I felt like I was supposed to make them, you know. So, but. Uh, I'm sure I celebrated on a few big ones here and there. So can you just walk me through what you think Mason was thinking during his celebration there? Because he threw a little... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, the, the three, I was the little head shake, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was a nice added touch. But uh, it just felt like a big weight was probably lifted off his shoulders and he was just letting loose, having a good time. Did you expect him to celebrate like that? After? Uh, I didn't, actually, but uh, I'm glad. I'm glad he did. Have you seen a big man celebrate a three like that before? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody likes to celebrate these days. It wasn't as big a deal. <laughs> when I when I played, there wasn't as much celebration. But, uh, you know, he probably has seen a lot of guys, the Steph Curry, Jimmy Shake. And so he was probably trying to throw a little bit of everything into his. Um, you celebrate your threes. Do I? Pretty often. Yeah, no, I would say so. Not anymore. Okay. Well, will you break down this one for me? That one beats mine before. <laughs> That's not even close. That's his first one, right? Yep. His career? Yeah, that, that deserved every celebration for sure. Do you think that it's strange that he went for like the pocket threes there? Would you expect that? <laughs> no, nah, I just never seen, never, no one's ever seen him do it, so. <laughs> Did you expect him to celebrate in that way? Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Expect a little, you know, he's out here throwing his tongue out, you know, give a little shimmy and everything. That was, it was fun. When you watch back that three on film, what do you think? You posted on Instagram, right, did. so you were uh, pretty pumped about it. It made my night. Um, you know, I just I, once he shot it, I knew it was going in. You know, I had I had a feeling it just looked good. <laughs> like you know, I, I know I know when threes are going in, it looked good. All right, Dems. Uh, my last point that I want to make um, in in true celebration form after hearing those those awesome <laughs> reactions there, um, we will try and post the gift to on the Nuggets website. To, to coincide with this podcast so that yeah. you can actually have the visual Nuggets Nation of of what was going down. But I'm sure that you guys have seen it. It's been all over all over the web. But the final note that I just want to talk about is how good is this Nuggets team in the Western Conference? And kind of the rumblings right now are that they could be second best in yeah. the West. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, okay, so what my initial reaction to that is, is why not? Because you, even if they, they finished ninth last year, uh, but they were three games out of third. So right away you're talking about, all right, the difference between three and nine is negligible in the West. Okay, so the number two team I thought everybody thought was coming in was the Houston Rockets. Sure. And the Houston Rockets are completely falling apart. <laughs> and the reason why they're falling apart is because they can't play defense. And they can't play defense because they let all their defensive players go, basically. Yes. And so, um, but as as we're as we're doing this podcast, they are busily trying to get Jeff Buzdelic back on their coaching staff, who was their quote unquote defensive coordinator. Yep. So that's a thing that's happening. But he, even Jeff Buzdelic who is a former Nuggets coach, uh, can't save a team that doesn't have enough defensive players. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see. But um, so if Houston's not going to be the second best team, then yeah, the Nuggets could it be the second be the best Nuggets. team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why not? I don't disagree with you at all. I, I think in my opinion, just knowing the NBA and knowing basketball and knowing star power, I think Houston will figure it out towards the end of the season. But I am like, that middle mix, obviously the Warriors are the Warriors. That middle mix, which it was kind of that way last year too, yeah. 
is completely up for grabs. And the Nuggets roster and the roles that have been established within the Nuggets roster, the way the guys are stepping up, to me, like you just said, why not? Yeah, and that's why games against when you beat Golden State, when you beat the New Orleans Pelicans, when you beat the Utah Jazz, yeah. like these are wins that matter over mm-hmm. time because it's probably going to be as tight as it was again last year, right? Yeah. So then you're talking about tiebreakers, and it's a question that I just refuse to ask the coach this early in the season yeah, because no, you can't it's like, hey, do you think about tiebreakers? Man, it's 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 the early but November, the reality but the reality is, is yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the like reality. Like playing Utah right. the sixth or seventh game in, that yeah. game matters. Absolutely it does, and especially when you're getting them at home and the Nuggets are getting all these teams at home. Yeah. You don't want to drop them at home and then have yeah. to beat these teams on the road where it's a lot tougher. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I do think they could be second in the West. I mean, I, you know, um, off to a good start, give yourself a cushion, beat some of the teams that will be vying for that spot, mm-hmm. and then let's just see what happens to late, in, late in the season. Let's see what happens, Nuggets Nation. The best is yet to come, I am sure yes, it of is. it. For Chris Dempsey, I am Katie Wingy. This has been another edition of the 24K Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs>